Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. And good morning, gardening friends. Yes, another day in paradise. A little bit of a hiccup there this morning, as everyone would have heard. But we we are here. We're in studio two. We made it. We're ready to go. And the team is here. We've got Bev Daring and John Glidden. So much to talk about, as always, on this Australia Day weekend. A great weekend for gardening. The weather was amazing yesterday, if you had the opportunity uh, to do a little. Now, our phone number is 94841927 and our email address is gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Two great ways to contact us this morning. Big shout out to Chris for his highly nostalgic music this morning and also cheers to Yvonne Hill for supporting Chris today. And obviously Chris was very supportive right now, which we do very much appreciate. And of course... Big shout out to our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan, uh, for wrapping the cycling up now. And he'll return at 10am with the classic 70s. Faye, good morning. Good morning, Ray. Let's it's all it Im- going to be okay. Let's hope it improves from here on. <laughs> yes. Well, we're settled now. We're on air. Yeah. We're good to go. Yes, yes. What's what's going on? Oh, what what Isn't amazing happening. gardening weather. This is my kind of weather. Oh, it's and- going to be a bit warm today and uh, certainly... That- in the middle of the week, we've got a couple of 38s looking at us yes. as it stands. Mm. If if they arrive. But anyway, if the weather arrive, yeah. is great for gardening. Yesterday was just a wonderful a wonderful day for Australia Day and even a balmy night. So it cooled down, but then the wind dropped away and it was just lovely and warm. So I hope it's like that again tonight mm. for summer entertaining. <laughs> Well, time's running out. Like the days are getting shorter. There's a coolness in the air. I have got a lot. I am serious. Ray, there's something. Surely you you. have noticed coolness in the air. Oh yes, there is. My word, there is. You need to go and have that checked. (laughs) We're in a serious summer heat wave. No, well (laughs) we're not. February, as far as I'm concerned, I endure every day. I do not enjoy every day. I endure. But mind you, this last week hasn't been so bad. The evenings are are cooling down and the mornings are quite brisk. Right. I've even detected a little bit of moisture in the air and plants are blooming. I think it was after the rain that we got in that thunderstorm a couple of weeks ago. Sorry for everyone who didn't get it, but we yeah, did. Well, we and, didn't. And the garden's responding. The Ilyaris are in flower. The red-tailed cockies, two types are coming daily. Mm. Lots of other little birds hatching out. We've got blue wrens and yellow rump thornbills and pardaloats, honey eaters. It's, it's just a wonderful time to be a gardener. Oh, yes. No, I agree. But I, I look at January as a time to maintain what you already oh. have, look after what you have. 
survive the heat because it is very, very harsh, our climate here in Perth. Uh, and looking forward, I look forward to what I will be doing. But at the moment, I don't. I mean, I move things. I've been doing a bit of transplanting, which is very dangerous mm. this time of year. Yeah, you've got to be really onto it. And it's a little bit, it's risky. Uh, but I've been doing little things, but with the awareness that this is not the right time. A few things have had a gentle trim, uh, but again, awareness that, you know, you have to Absolutely. be very, very careful and yes. totally you know, with the observation of the weather that we're doing. So I really think it's the time that we just maintain what we have and look after what we have. I 100% agree. Mm. And also the the sun is going to move. Yes. So that's going yes. to change what gets protected. So there's still, that's right. still might be a little bit of collateral damage. But, yes. Ray, the worst thing that started happening in my garden is I've got weeds coming up. Already. Because of that rain, <laughs> the weeds are just going boing. And I'm yeah. thinking, right, you've got to put that mulching on the radar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mm. 100%. Now, we've got Robbie online from Jin Jin. Just very quickly, today at 20 past eight, we are chatting with the lovely Nancy Skade from Australian Native Nursery, talking summer flowers for the garden and how native plants bring in the pollinators to your yard. And at nine five past nine, sorry, Joanne Harris from Gildan Guildford Garden Centre, having a chat about... Uh, Buying trees and what you need to be aware mm. of with this polyphagous shot hole borer beast uh, in our midst. And so it's going to be a little bit about uh, what's new and what to do now. And we'll have a discussion about the shot what's hole borer. What's new, pussycat? What's new, pussycat? Let's go straight <laughs> out to Jin Jin. Robbie, good morning. Hi, Robbie. Good morning. How are you? Very good, good. thanks. How can we help you today? Uh, it's just in relation to... Uh, caller you had last week about sweet corn seeds not germinating yes yes um i've found over the last quite a few years it's very hard to get them get them up and the last two years have been really really bad they you only get barely get 30 percent right bought seeds you can dig the dig them up and the seeds are just laying there nothing they're just whole they're perfect um, and my own seeds that I kept, I can get 100% germination in exactly the same place. Okay. All right. I wonder if it's so, to do with age of the seed or quality? No, they're they're um, well within their expiry date. Okay. About two or three years down the track. Now, I just noticed that um, the bought seeds have always been hard, and I tried to email one of the um, particular ones and this, that email address doesn't um, exist according to the um, thing so I just you know people going around trying to find all other reasons but I've just found it's purely the seed itself. Okay Robbie well that's good to know tell you what would you mind if I put you back to Bev and yep. we'll find out a bit more because we'll follow this through and see yeah, see what we can find out. What, like, who the company is, where the seeds are grown, the the whole process. Yeah, well, it's the two. The two I've had problem with the two major ones, and I've got to put in at least three seeds to get one plant. Oh, that's mm, not what you would expect. No, no, you're you're struggling. If you don't put, if I don't put 120 seeds in for 40 plants, I haven't got a hope. Oh, okay. Well. 
Mm. All right. We might be able to find you a, a better seed supplier, perhaps. Yeah. Well, it's just the the two the two normal ones that are on the you know on the normal shelves. Yes. That I found trouble with. Okay. So. Oh, it'd be good to do a trial and and see. Do a trial and just do compare the differences. But I know there's yeah. local seed growers, and I know that um, corn is one of the seeds that we can't get in from in, interstate because of our biosecurity. So thank yeah. you for sharing that because that will help last week's listener for sure. No worries. Right. Okay. Back to Bev. Thanks, Robbie. Right. Okay. Thank Thanks, Robbie. So we're putting him back to Bev. Yeah. Okay. Doing that. Bev's on the phone at the moment. All right, nine four eight four one nine two seven. We're going to give away two seventy-five dollar gift vouchers today. One is from Green Live Soil, and the other is from Bigger Trees, our good buddies. So they will be happening one per hour. I like to space them out. So, oh, if you must be a course of Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last twenty-eight days. Now I know we've got lots of calls coming through for now. What did you bring in in this morning? Well, I just did a little whip around and filled the Looking only bucket this, I could find. It's, yeah, I actually, I've got one of your... You gave me some flowers last week in a wine... Champagne cooler. Champagne cooler. <laughs> yes, that's in the boot of my car, as you do. It's uh, whatever I can find at the minute, Whatever you can hold it, yeah. <laughs> this is very cute. Well, this is what we caught our tadpoles in a couple of weeks ago. Right. So, well, I've got a, a range of different things um, and just small. So I thought something that you can grow the lovely variegated pothos, yeah. of which there are a few types. Have you got that one? That's the green and white. Yes. Mm, okay. Thought you probably did have. Um, I brought in a few little natives, like the gorgeous woolly bush. I because love him. these make gorgeous table decorations. You can yeah. add a few flowers. You can even do a bit more with them and, and centre a candle in the middle. So I've got glass vases straight up and down put a citronella candle in the middle oh. light it that way it's protected from wind so you've got to be mm. very careful in this bushfire danger season mm. but the the fluffy growth is just gorgeous and that attracts a lot of insects in the garden with its little flowers and feathery fine foliage and of course grevillea as well Mm. Isn't there such a big range of grevilleas out there right well, now? Well, there is. I just planted one. <sighs> yeah, Dorothy Gordon I've put oh, in. Oh, that's been mm. on your, your buy it list has. for a while. Where so did you get that? Um, Xantheria. It's mm. been uh, on order and it came in. They told me March and then they I got a message saying it's here. So <gasps> oh. yeah, I went and got it. And that's one of the plantings that I'm referring to when I was saying I've done a few things. that. So yeah. what colour is that one? It has a silvery type of leaf, and the flower is a beautiful lilac-y pink. Oh. It's just different. It's different from your regular grevilleas. It's mm. very, very pretty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sounds so gorgeous. So would you like to go to Girawine? <laughs> Love to. <laughs> All right. Philomena, good morning. Good morning. How are you, ladies? We're great, thank you. How can we help? I know. We're having lovely weather, by the way. Uh, but we could pray for some rain, isn't it? <laughs> uh, wouldn't that be lovely? I know. But the question I have, uh, is it fair I talk to? It doesn't matter. Yes. Oh, either. Pineapple. Pineapple. What I did a few years ago, I bought a ripe pineapple from the, from the shop. I cut the top end off with a bit of the flesh in it, and I planted it in the garden, and it started to grow. 
So then my, up, say last year, my granddaughter was along with me. I cut the other pineapple, did the same thing, and they're both growing. But what I need to know is what kind of, um, it's in the ground, it's not in a pot. Uh, you know, what, how, how can I expect it? Uh, when will it be able to start fruiting? Or well, when can I expect it? My experience is around four years, Philomena. It, it, it might be sooner. They will take full sun. They like right. a lot of water in a free-draining soil and they like to be okay. well-fed. So the pineapple okay. is actually a bromeliad, which oh, oh, bromeliads okay. are looking stunning at the moment. And this is right. another form. So it looks quite at home in a tropical-style garden. Uh, it, right. It's got really tough foliage and often the yeah. pineapples are a little bit silvery. Mm. Yeah. Is that fair talking? Because I, yes. two years ago I was in Queensland. Of course, Queensland is different to, to Perth. But no, they're both doing very well, but it, it hasn't fruited. So I'm just running, leave it in the ground rather than put it in a pot. Yeah, no need, no need to move it as long as it's getting okay. full sun, plenty of water yes. and feed it. Okay. So. Just liquid or granular, whatever you prefer. Oh, so the when it comes to the fertilizer, it doesn't matter what you put. You Flower, flowering, and flowering and fruiting fertilizer is the best. That's what you look for okay. on the label. So you might have some at home already. Use up what you've got. All right. Thank you so much. And you have a lovely day. And you, you too, too, Philomena. Thank you. Bye. 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 And we're going to Yanja, but we have another comment or question about corn, Charlie. Hello. Uh, good morning, ladies. Morning, Charlie. Yes, um, I was the one who rang last week about corn. Yes. So um, you... I, I went and bought another couple of packets of the corn, two different. Come, I've put them in, and I've literally got you know maybe about out of two packets, maybe about ten plants coming up. All the rest from a few weeks ago in the same lot, still just dead in the ground. Right. Mm, something that... wrong with these seeds. You know, you're paying top dollar uh, for seeds and they're just not not uh, coming up. Um, in the early days, I used to get it from Merco Brothers. Yes. Yeah. You know, you pay five bucks for a, a thing. Uh, and But, I, you know, I used to have good success. But, you know, it's... Uh, Something should be done about it. You know? Well, I, I tell you what you can do, and you can vote with your wallet and support local seed growers. You'll find uh, through groups like the Organic Growers Association. Uh, I know there there's people that go to the markets that will have local corn seeds available. So if you're on any of the Facebook groups, you'll find a local network where you can get fresh local seed. Oh, okay. Uh, is that the growers' markets and that, is it? Yep. Um, the quarterly festivals, uh, the garden festival coming up in Perth, they're the sorts of places where you'll find local, local. people with fresh local seed. What are you and, paying, and Charlie? How much do they cost you to buy? Well, they're at least four, $4 a packet. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, uh, I'll get. I've got it from. I've got them from Bunnings. I've got them mm. from um, uh, Big W. We would have uh, the the packets of seeds and uh, uh, spud shed. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not um, um, not working. Well, I think 
one thing to do is report that back to the sellers so that they know, but also write a letter to the company and oh, okay. let yeah. them know. that That's the best thing you can do and see what sort of response you get. They may say, you know, we've had trouble or thanks for letting us know and at least reimburse you or, or give you mm. some sort of replacement. Yeah. But, yeah, give them the opportunity to respond. So, yeah, and yeah. let us know how you get on, Charlie. Yeah, the, uh, like it's not as if birds are eating the seeds because they're, they're just still yeah. in the ground. Yeah. Like that other chap was just saying. You know? Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah, that's another part of the uh, response. So let let them know and then yeah, let us know okay. how you get on. Thanks, Charlie. We have to go to an ad break, love. Thank you. Cheers for that. Okay, we shall return. 100.1 you're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening, 24 minutes after 8. And lots to talk about. Right now, we're going to be chatting with Australian Native Nursery. We have Nancy Skade online. How are you, Nancy? Very well, thank you. Good morning and thank you for joining us today. I know you've got a busy day ahead of you. Uh, yes, we hopefully get lots of customers in because it's beautiful weather. <laughs> yes. Buying plants and planting. It absolutely yeah. is. Well, I have brought in a little sample of some of the things that I got from you this week, Nancy, because um, I came down for the gomfrina, which I I had not seen it before, what, not recognised it? it as a native plant. Can you tell us a bit about it? It's got the beautiful mauvey flowers. Oh, that's it there. It's mm. so well, pretty. If you actually have a look at the flower, the mm. flower is actually yellow and it's a tiny little bit on the inside. The purple pinky flower, yeah. is, they are bracts. Oh, wow. And so the, look I'm looking at it now, Nancy, and I can see the tiny, tiny little yellow stars. And so the, that's so the pink is bracked. Yes. Oh, it's very delicate. Mm. So where does yeah. this grow naturally? Um, up north, more like through... Geraldton, up into Murchison, you know, in the hotter, tougher areas of Western Australia. And so, therefore, it just loves our summer. Yes, it does. But it is an annual. So if you if you plant it, then you hope to collect the seed and then grow more next year. Yeah. And, you know, when I was coming in this morning, I was thinking about that pot that we planted this week, full of all plants, from your nursery, of course, and... You know, it's like when you buy a vase of flowers. Well, it's better than a vase of flowers because it actually lasts longer. Absolutely. But you get these plants that keep on giving. Yeah. And, of course, annuals do give you that show of colour. Already we've had honey eaters coming right up to these pots. I've seen a hoverfly that's different to all the others. Um, I noticed that uh, another one of our listeners, Mel, photographed a feather-legged hoverfly on hers and that lays its eggs on a green shield bug so oh. it's a parasitoid so you know understanding about the presence of pollinators and the reason that we went to nancy's was to get plants to do what we called a pollinator pot okay. pollinator party pot and we got the little um chrysocephalum the little yellow daisies yeah, and there are ones, another tough one from out in the in the really harsh areas of Western Australia, yes. Well, they will bring the butterflies in and 
And there's three different leaf types as well, grey, green and what was the other one? Well, it's still a sort of a grey colour, but the flowers are probably a little bit more orange, I think, yeah. Mm. Ah, so what else is in flower now? Oh, all the scavo- lots of scavolas oh, in flower. Yeah. Um, I've just done a flower arrangement for the Shire of Serpentine Jaradel for their Australia Day presentations, and I included about seven tube stock into a display, all flowering. Uh, oh. Some of the scavolas are looking absolutely stunning at the moment, really stunning. And, um, and of course, the hemiandra pungents, the ground cover, that yes. flowers all summer. Well, that is tough. That's a great verge plant, survives without water and just goes on. Well, you've got two types, haven't you? The spreading ground cover one and the upright form. Yes, we do. And um, we have um, three ground cover ones. One has white flowers, which was originally apparently found by Marion Blackwell, who's well known in the industry. She f- she discovered it. Um, I'm not sure where it comes from. It's obviously, obviously from Western Australia, but mm. I'm not sure where she actually found it. But it is a little bit more delicate um, than the other two we've got. One is, they both have purple These are ground covers I'm talking about. They both have purple flowers, um, but um, one is um, the leaves are more purpley as well. Mm. There are actually many different forms of hemiandra, hairy-leaved ones, but some of them are difficult to propagate. Oh, that's a shame, isn't it? Well, we Ray, we were lucky to get a behind-the-scenes tour the other day and had a look in the potting shed. So you've now got 10 staff at your nursery and well what a yeah what a wonderful job they were doing propagating it was all systems go um well we actually have eight propagators um three of them are full-time and the others are all um part-time or flexi hours however they want to do it um but we have also found um taking on people with disabilities is actually a big advantage to us. Oh, how wonderful. Um, Yes, so we've got um, three people who've taken off the disability pensions, you could say. They're partially on the disability pension and working part-time for us. And they're thriving in in your environment, Nancy. Mm. Yeah, we do our best to make it as friendly as possible. We try not to micromanage the staff. Mm. So they they get fed up with doing something they just change to another job because we have lots of different jobs to do from weeding to propagating to pricking out whatever you want this we've got it there's always something there to do yeah Yeah. it's interesting isn't it the connection between people that have disabilities and gardening how how wonderful it is for them well we found that some of the people with disabilities are really good at treating and looking after other people with disabilities Yeah, amazing. Because they understand. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a question uh, here for you, Nancy, too. Mm. It's from Maria. She's in Middle Swan and she's been trying unsuccessfully to purchase a native plant called bird flower from the Kimberley region. Yeah, that's actually quite hard to grow. It's hard to propagate. Right. Um, It's it's easy to say we've got over 13,000 species in Western Australia how many are we able to propagate? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And everything we do, about 3,000. They're not all commercial. We are collectors. We just, you know, people give us plants and say, try this, try that. Or yeah. we're always the first in the line at the King's Park sale yeah. so that we can propagate more of their stuff. Yeah. And um, 
Yes, so, um, but a lot of our nursery now has about 700 species actually in the retail for sale now, but they've all an experiment. They've all um, been, you know, fiddled around with. We've had losses, we've had successes and everything in between. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So we, the bird flower, yeah, would not be one that you would, it's not available um, really. No, it's not commercially available yeah, for us. Yeah. We managed to grow a few. Yeah. We haven't worked out the, the art of that one yet. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, thank you for that. Well, there's been quite some breakthroughs over the years as far as propagating plants and creating more success. You were telling me about smoke water some time back. Uh, yes, we um, the smoke water was, um, the chemical was discovered here in Western Australia and Professor Kingsley Dixon was part of that team of people who came up with it. And um, he actually came in here about three years ago and suggested that we make our own smoke water. Mm -hmm. So we asked him how to do it. So we went ahead and did it. And then he took our smoke water to Curtin University and had it tested because a lot of the commercial stuff is as he describes it, just full of toxins because it's black and oozy and doesn't look very good. Ours looks really quite clear and nice. And we found, yeah, the smoke water makes a huge difference. But one of the biggest differences is hormones. The availability of really good quality hormone has made a big difference to propagating. When when you say hormone, like the hormone that's already in the plant or you you bottle it and... You bottle it, yeah. Oh. And, um, yeah, so um, that's what... Sounds very elaborate, yeah. It sounds a bit like you've got a still or something going on. <laughs> um, well, we do in winter. We have a still going. We can't do it in summer. This no. is for the smoke water um, because we can't do it in summer because we'd start a fire and the neighbours would complain. Mm. But, no, we do have a still going in winter making smoke water. Mm. Oh, wow. I've got to come down and have a look at all of this one day, Nancy. Yeah. You'd be very welcome. Uh, I know. Thank you very, very much. Will you be at the <laughs> Perth Garden Festival this year? Yes, we're going to be there and right. we're going to have a huge number of species. Ooh. And we've taken out a double site this year, so we're going to do lots and lots of tubes and lots of different species. Wow. Wow. Okay, well, that's something for everyone to look out for. Mm. Mm. Um, just quickly give us top top three flowering plants for a pot right now. Um, I'd put um, goodenia, pusilla, into the base of it for under the cover yes and um you know start a bonsai in the pot ah just put a plant in anything and just keep it running keep it small um, yeah so um we um eucalyptus sinandra and eucalyptus rosacea are both tiny little not tiny they're small trees that grow out beyond kalgoorlie around that area and they're lovely they make Wonderful pot plants. How forgiving are they when we forget to water them? Uh, no, you can't afford to do that. <laughs> All I right. think the important thing with pot plants is they, a native pot plants, they need some sun at some time in the day. So it's very important to keep an eye on the sun and remember now it's right overhead. Mm. And then as winter comes along, it goes to the north and the sun changes its direction into buildings, verandas or whatever. Yes. They need some sun. So we have lost some of our bonsai because we didn't give them enough sun. Oh, other way around. Mm. Mm. 
Very good. And a third plant. Sorry, a third plant? Yes, please. A third plant. Well, Hemiander pungens is... Re- oh, no, I've got one. Goodenia varia. Oh. It comes from Kalgoorlie or Coolgardie, and it has little yellow flowers on, and it flowers all year except for in winter. And it makes a real nice mat. It's tough as anything, and it'll flow over the pot onto the ground. Oh, a great spiller. Yeah, now, I must really just nice. say, you've mm. got Sturt Desert Peas there as well. Wow. Yes, we have, but you've got to remember they are an annual, or yes. they could possibly be a perennial if they like you and where you put them. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. they are an annual. Yeah. But that's, that's one of the wow and rarer native plants to grow and would make a great pot specimen, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. Uh, you have to remember that we always tell our customers don't fertilise. That's the only plant that we tell them to fertilise. Oh, and what sort of fertiliser? Um, a controlled release native fertiliser, which is low in phosphorus. That's yep. the one to use. Yeah. Good to know because often, yes, people would not be aware no. that they they should be fertilised. Mm. And I think also the most important thing is buy quality pots because some of them are not very good sun-hardened pots and they yeah. break and crack. Yeah. Yes. We use True. really solid black pots and use very good quality potting mix. Don't buy the cheap stuff. Yep. Buy good stuff. Yeah. And if can I do a plug for Baileys and Rich Grow? They're both nursery industry members mm. who are accredited, so their mixes are checked. Okay. Um, we we use Bailey's, but every time it leaves the site, it is checked by a mm. chemist to make sure that it's correct. Yeah, yeah, no, and very that good makes point. A huge difference. Yeah. Mm. Well, yes, and being part of the nursery and garden industry is your guarantee that uh, it is accredited and businesses are following certain yeah. practices. And are they the well, only two that are? Acc- you know, get being, yeah. Um, well, they're, they're the, I think they're the only two that are available from the garden centres at the moment. Um, I'm not too sure on that, but I think, um, yeah, they are. But w- the nursery industry has an accreditation scheme yeah. and we're accredited as a nursery. Yeah. It's very important to remember that if you buy from an accredited nursery, the potting mix has already been checked and mm. the way you do your propagating is checked. Um, we have an inspector somebody from the nursery industry inspects us every year to make sure that we're being good hygienic growers. Yeah. Mm. And you ha- you have to be. Yeah. Mm. Yes, and that we're not affecting our neighbors either. We so we are actually chemical free. We have never used an insecticide or a fungicide in our nursery. Mm. So we would be ideal for you, Faye, because we have lots and lots of insects. And when people buy plants from us, we can't guarantee we're not selling insects. <laughs> Absolutely, well, you know, they come home. If it yeah. had an insect on it, I would buy it for sure. But, you mm. know, if I worked at your nursery, Nancy, I would never get any work done. Mm. I'd have my phone out of my pocket <laughs> and I'd be following anything that flies. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all a bit like that now, too. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? It's it's the way to go. Save save time and money and stress and enjoy our biodiversity. Absolutely. And um, it's so important to realise that you can't come here and successfully grow English gardens or anything like that. It doesn't work. Yeah. It just uses too much of our resources. Mm-hmm. We should be growing natives. 
Yep. Go with we the flow. Making, we should be making, instead of Singapore being a city in the garden, we should be a state in a garden. Yep. Love that. Love that. Yep. We agree. On this Australia Day weekend, yeah. what's more Aussie to do yeah. than get involved in your native plants? That's right. Yep. All right. On that note, young lady, we'll let you get back to your day job and uh, we look forward to seeing you soon and we appreciate you coming on air and sharing with us this morning. Well, thanks for inviting me. Thank it's you. <laughs> our pleasure. Thanks. You have a great day. Same to you. Thank okay. you very much. Bye. Bye. And that was Nancy Skade from the Australian Native Nursery. Where are they located? They're King Road in Oakford. Okay, and you, so you went out this way. Good drive. Yeah. Down nice the drive. Yeah. Oh, you can't get out of there without a trolley full of plants. Full of goodies. And they're yeah, I the tubes are good sized tubes, and so much colour. Mm. You know the like Nancy said the scavolas, which are the fan flowers. There's yeah. purple and white. The goodenia that she talked about. Pusilla, uh, that was Aravis's pick. That's got little yellow flowers on it, mm-hmm. which is one I wouldn't have picked. So, you know, you take someone with you and, and you end up with a variety of things in your garden that yeah. you wouldn't have chosen yourself. Yeah, yeah, lovely. Uh, but, yeah, lots to choose from. And, of course, kangaroo paws are also some of them are in flower now. And now if they're in your garden, it's a good time to deadhead them. So just cut mm. those old flower stems down, down and turn them into a bug hotel. Uh, okay. Waste not, want Waste not. Waste not, want not. Now, um, Maggie of Mandra called in. She has six pineapple plants in pots and has a continuous supply of pineapples. They fruit each year. She plants said, sorry, I'm just reading this off the board. They initially took 18 months to two years to fruit. Uh, she moves the pots around as they need plenty of winter sun. Okay, mm. so that's her, her tip. And Judith from Maddington called in and she said she has a friend uh, also and has had no success with sweet corn seeds germinating, getting very few plants. There we so go. another and, one. Mm. And, of course, the other thing to do is buy, buy the seedlings. You can yeah. buy punnets of seedling. Yeah. So you cut out that first that step. Process, that process, That would yeah. be another... Um, option. Option, yes. Yeah, okay. 94841927, we shall return. A lifetime of music, Cartoon Radio. And we are back. You're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. Our next chat will be at five past nine, just after the news, with Joanne Harris from Guildford Garden Centre. We're looking forward to that as well and uh, might give something away quite shortly. We're heading to Falcon. We're saying hello to Joy. Nice to hear from you, Joy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Okay. How, how can we help you today, Joy? Um, I have a large frangipani and a very small garden, and I'm just wondering how much I can cut down without killing the tree. Prune it to shape if you can. And when you say very large, how big is it? Um, it's up to my... I'm a single-storey home, and it's above the single storey. Okay, so above the eaves. And uh, is there foliage down the bottom? Not a great deal. Okay. All right. So what I'm thinking, if that plant is not really in the right place, two things you could sit up. One is transplanting it and the other one is taking cuttings, well, so that you can start a new plant perhaps in that location. If is it very old? 
But um, well, I've been in the house two years. I, it was there when I when I moved in. And was it? So I don't really know. Probably, I'd say, maybe five years old. Oh gosh! So that is quite a, a tall, growing frangipani. Is it a a native frangipani or like what color flowers? Uh, the cream ones. Big, white with yellow centers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yep. Um, with thick stems and sappy insides. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yep. Um, I just want to make sure we're talking about the same French penny. It sounds like it's not ideal in the location it is. And yes, you can cut it back, but it sounds like you may end up with not a very nice looking plant, depending on how much foliage you've got on there. So I would take cuttings and I would consider moving that plant to a space where it it can actually grow the way it wants to without trimming. Frangipanis don't often need trimming if you've got the right plant in the right place. They'll provide a good canopy and certainly now would be the time to, to do any trimming and to take cuttings. And if you were growing new plants, one of the the ways that we learned about doing it last year, I think it was, is to take your cutting, wrap it in sphagnum moss and tie a glad wrap around it. So that makes a nice seal. So moist sphagnum moss. And when the plant, when the cutting shoots or roots, you can see the roots through the glad wrap and then it's time to plant. Okay. But I if just, it, I don't think it I don't think I could um, transplant it because it's a very small garden and it's just sort of in a, I don't know, the, where it is, it's only about a foot wide, the actual soil area. Mm. It sounds very happy and I'm not sure if it might be reaching for sunlight if it's close to the house, might be getting shade oh, from the eaves. Could be, could be, yeah. Yeah, so... You know, if you've got a very small garden, considering that plant in that space, yes, you can trim it and maintain its shape, but it may take a little work to get it back to that point. So okay. So think ahead. If it isn't in the right spot, think about what else you, you could do with it. Okay, great. Thank you very much for your advice. You're welcome, Joy. Good luck. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. It's a common problem, isn't it, Ray? You know, you move into a house and something that someone else has done is planted, you know, too close to yeah. a fence. Yeah. So the sooner you make that call, yeah. you, you start to move on Yeah. and get totally. the right plant in the right place. Absolutely. When I moved into where I am now, the very first thing I did was get people in to remove yuccas. Oh, and what yeah. a job that was. That was the very first, I don't know, four, five, six hundred dollars I spent. Mm. And if the first expense is the last expense, <laughs> it's the least expense. It's the least expense. Yeah. Unfortunately, it wasn't. However, <laughs> I, I like I like that. Mm. Uh, Lynn of Bentley wanted to know about the Grevillea. Uh, it was a Dorothy Gordon, Lynn. Dorothy Gordon is the Grevillea that I re- recently bought and planted into my garden. It's particularly beautiful and different. I showed Faye a picture of it uh, whilst we were chatting and it's yeah. um, it's a real real stunner. 
You'll have to help me work out where I can put one in my garden, Ray. Oh, you've got anywhere. You can go anywhere (laughs) with your land. Gosh. Okay, we're in Waikiki. Jan, good morning. Hello. Look, I bought one of those planters. I've got a tiny garden, but I'm at the beach. So the worst, I can only grow, I learned by experience trying to grow just normal plants. And I've, the ones that I've got are doing really well, you know, as far as salt and wind goes. But I want to use this planter that's got a big dome over it with a mesh on it if I need it um, to put sugar snap peas in there. I just want to grow some. I love them. So what? what's the secret to growing them? Oh, uh, premium potting mix. I would add slow-release yeah. fertiliser into the mix. I would use a seaweed to to start. If you're starting from seed, you could actually soak in the seaweed solution before you plant them. Uh, Mulch and time of the year. So I'm I'm not too sure whether they'll do well now or closer to autumn. And when you say a planter with a dome, is it one of the wicking beds? I've forgotten the name of it, but it's about... A metre, um, a little bit longer than a metre, and it's on wheels, four wheels, and it's, you know, about chest level. And yes. It's, um, yeah, I bought it new from a, a, a hardware shop. Okay. It does sound like the wicking beds, uh, veggie pod. Yeah, it could be, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and they haven't got a... Connected and, and, and all that. It's a real you beauty thing. It's about $400. Yeah. And I put bulbs. I put bulbs in there, but I don't know whether I didn't look after them properly, but I, I paid 100 bucks for this packet of bulbs and got about 20 flowers out of it. <laughs> oh, well, don't give up. But bulbs are amazing things. I love them when they work and they're happy in their environment. They'll just pop up and flower. But some bulbs uh, are not as reliable, but certainly don't give up on them. Um, I'll come back to your bulbs in a minute, but certainly with your yeah. veggie pod, uh, growing sugar snap peas, and it's a metre is quite a big area. So mm. you can get a dwarf variety, so that could actually spill over, or you could trellis them, depending on what height they'll grow to. But you've got a lot of real estate in that bed. So if you were to train them up, you could certainly grow something in the lower level. Like, you know, you could have three levels. Mm. You could have something spilling over, something covering the ground and something going up. You could go for lettuces. Uh, You could do beetroot. You could even do carrots if you wanted to, the baby carrots. And then as they grow, you start thinning them out so you can start harvesting straight away. Your pak choy and Chinese greens. Um, you could do tomatoes. Oh, there's there's lots of things. But companion planting so that you've got different plants taking different things from the soil. So with your peas, they're a legume. They'll put nitrogen in, so they will help support a leafy crop like your lettuces, rainbow chard, something like that. You can have a world of fun with that, Jan. Wow. I never thought about putting anything else in there except the sugar snap peas. Uh-huh. I love them and I buy them from the shops and, you know, they're so expensive and half the time they're all old. And so I thought, I'm going to grow my own, but I need to know the secret. <laughs> yep. 
Well, that'll that'll get you started. So we will move on, and if you keep listening, I'll talk about the bulbs as well. Lovely. Thanks, ladies. Okay. Thanks, Jan. Bye. Curtain Radio. And we'll be going to the news at 9am coming up very shortly. I think, I think Faye, I shall give something away. Sounds like a good time for it. Sounds like a plan. All right. How about a $75 gift voucher to Green Life Soil Co? How does that sound? Their motto is to deliver a greener garden. And you can check out their monthly newsletter. Heaps of timely info. Uh, It's free. Just register online to become a member by going to greenlifesoil.com.au. And whilst you're there, have a good read through of their website because there is some very handy info on it. And right now you take advantage of a half price delivery across the metro area. How's that? Half price delivery across the metro area and only till the end of January for any order of mulch or similar over two cubic metres. That's equivalent to about three trailer loads. And you could just share it with a neighbour, couldn't you, Faye? And, um, Absolutely. Well, no. No, I'm not we, good at sharing would, mulch or I, grandchildren. I, I was going to say I'm not good at sharing. Um, we recommend you browse their Facebook page too for updates. Uh, Green Life Soil, they're open Monday to Saturday. Now, your chance to win a $75 voucher to spend at Green Life Soil, here is John's question. As I mentioned before, you must be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. True or false? The mole cricket is the loudest insect. True or false? The mole cricket is the loudest insect. Give Bev a call now on 94841927. Okay, we're going straight out to Safety Bay. Good morning, Susan. How are you? Good morning. Uh, excellent. I was just um, I was just calling because um, Jan from Waikiki, um, that's just down the road from me. Yes. And uh, I grow sugar snap peas all year round. Oh, well and done. You can grow them. You can grow them in the pot. Uh, I have a large ceramic pot that I just stick uh, one of the fan-shaped um, metal um, trellis or uh, iron mm-hmm. trellis. Yep, um, and uh, and I just soak the peas um, as they say on the packet. I grow mine. I grow mine from seed, and then I keep um, you know the um, uh, a couple of the seeds and dry them out. And so I've always got sugar snap peas. Um, you know, seeds from my own, you know, uh, produce. So that's kind of fun. But they grow so easily. And my daughter-in-law lives in Wellard and uh, same thing. So we just soak when you originally get your packet of peas, we just soak them. Um, And I only put three if I'm brewing it in a pot. And um, they, they just grow so quickly. Wow. And what sort of potting mix do you use, Susan? Oh, just the organic, just the organic um, potting mix or or premium potting mix. Or actually, the um, the stuff from um, uh, Bunnings is really great. Yeah. Um, the um, the it's I think it's only like five, four or five dollars a bag, but it is absolutely brilliant. Oh, okay. Um, and I grow my potatoes in the organic mulch and uh, in in bags, and yeah. My my brother had told me about it, but yeah, it's wonderful. And but yeah, sugar snap peas. Um, it's warm enough by the ocean that yes. um, yeah, we can we can grow them year round. So the moment that they start looking straggly again, and I grow them for my husband and um, our granddaughter because oh, lovely to go around the garden and pull things off. So good to know. Thank you very much, Susan. 
That's okay. Have a wonderful day. And, and you too. for your lovely show. Okay. Thanks, Susan. Bye. Bye. Okay. Now, we do have a winner for our Green Life Soil Co. $75 gift voucher, Linda of Naranda, you clever lady. And John has just joined us to tell us the answer. The question was, true or false, the mole cricket is the loudest insect. The answer is false. It's the cicada. 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 Okay, excuse me. I don't even actually really know what it is, and we're just plugging John in. How's that going? Can you hear? That's better. <laughs> That's better. Okay. We have sound. Cicada. I've seen Cicada. Yeah. Have I seen TikTok? It? TikTok. Oh. The, the old TikTok fly. I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And what, you know, I fell down a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> what? It, it, in... it, they are fascinating. They, for a start, their life cycle slightly different to most insects mm. in that they don't have the uh, larva. Oh, they go from eggs to nymph and straight to adult. They don't pupate. The adult lays eggs up in a tree, mm -hmm. make a little groove, lay the eggs. They hatch in two to three weeks and drop down to the ground where they feed on sap from the roots of the tree. Mm -hmm. And they can stay there for one, two, in Australia up to seven years. There are two groups in the United States. One stays under the ground for 13 years. Gee whiz. The other for 17 Good years. Good grief. What's their purpose? Uh, they, Photographers. Yeah. Oh, please. <laughs> uh, the last time one of these 17-year emergencies happened, they reckoned there were 1.5 million cicadas per acre. So oh. that would be rather noisy. Right. This year is unusual <laughs> because a 13- and a 17-year cycle coincides <gasps> Wow. The last time this happened was in 1803. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so what does that mean? <laughs> that means probably double the number of cicadas. And, and so you'd need to be walking around with headphones on? or More than likely. <laughs> uh, <the laughs> Noise-cancelling headphones? Uh, oh. Until recently, it was thought that the loudest cicada was a South African one hmm. at 106 decibels. Oh, my mm. goodness. <laughs> yes, I know. Oh, it's all right. I'm being told to go to the news. Oh. So very quickly, the Aussie ones beat that at 120. Oh. The, the the green cicada and the yellow Monday cicada. We win. Okay, <laughs> good on you. Yeah, we win. Yay. Good on you, Linda. That gift voucher will find its way to you this week. Thank you for playing. Here's the 9 o'clock news. 24.9 degrees at the moment and the humidity is sitting at 37%. The Bureau forecasts a sunny day, maximum of 33 and mostly sunny tomorrow with a maximum of 28 and on Monday sunny and a maximum of 31. Looking ahead to Tuesday and Wednesday, both sitting with maxes of 38. So yeah, get your gardening done between now and Monday and then have to go into uh, survival mode Tuesday and Wednesday by the looks of it as far as the Bureau is suggesting at this point. And that can change, and it does change. But, yeah, it looks like we're in for another heat spell. So it was nice to have a bit of recovery, wasn't it? Yes, it certainly was. And, of course, we would expect nothing less for summer, so, would we? That's right. That's right. Mustn't complain. <laughs> <laughs> but you do when you have a garden. Of course. Yes. But I, I'm looking ahead now to autumn, right? Yes, me and too. And getting back to Jan and her bulbs, she mm. didn't have a great success. Mm. So don't worry. They may have sulked for a year. 
So I imagine she's lifted them. So what I would do in that case, they didn't uh, get off to a good start, but if you've lifted them, now it's time to start thinking about replanting. So you can either get some bulb potting mix or premium potting mix. I would also add some slow-release fertiliser. And whether you do it now or a month from now, you depending on what your bulbs are, mm. because once that weather changes, mm. that signal will be to the bulbs to get their roots start, down. And before going. you know it, the rains will come and they'll be pushing up shoots. That coupled with the, the temperatures... And dew, because we we tend to get that in our autumn. So repotting your bulbs, putting them out in the garden. They don't need to be getting wet yet. When the rains come, it'll just start happening. Do you have any favourite autumn bulbs? Well, the jonquils are the first to come up. Uh, Right. You know, I'm. I just love my bulbs. I love them for all seasons, Mm. and. I have I haven't had a great deal of luck with daffodils, mm. but my noreens they just powered away. Be a and good the, one. the story, the Easter lily, is it? The no, Easter, no, noreens are different to Easter lilies. Okay, uh, Easter lilies are the ones that will flower and the leaves follow, and they've got a big bulb. At the present moment, I've got these huge white trumpets mm. that have come up on a very large bowl bulb and large leaves and I've also got pink ones coming and then the piece de resistance is the Queen Emma bulb which has a two-tone flower so I'm hopeful that that will get going. I may have to move it because I planted it in the garden and it's struggling to get its leaves. Okay I must have a look Mm. at uh, some bulbs and think about popping some in for autumn. And I would do that for autumn. So the bulbs coupled with some annual flowers. Mm, Uh, mm. So something like lobelia, they're really lovely. They'll fill and they'll spill a little Mm, bit. mm. Allison, you can't go past. Mm. Uh, Ageratum, they will bring in insects, good ones, butterflies particularly. Um, And you can do it very cheaply with seeds as well as seedlings. I've been having a bit of fun uh, this summer with some zinnias, actually. Oh. They've been, they're sweet little things, aren't yes. they? Yes, yeah. yes. If you if you want to grow from seed, mm. yeah, and sunflowers too if you've got mm-hmm. the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But protect them because the rabbits and the bandicoots will dig them up. Yes, okay. Now, we will be speaking with Joanne Harris very soon. Meanwhile, let's go to Redcliffe and say good day to Peter. How's it going? Yeah, good morning, I've got a bit of a problem. I've come out this morning and I've got about 20, 25 native bees dead in my frog pond. Okay. I'm pretty sure, Peter, they will not be native bees. Uh, They will be the common European honeybees. Okay. These look like a bit like the blue-banded ones I had the photo of before. They've sort of got the... um, Not like a honeybee. It doesn't look like a honeybee to me. It's more like a... little dark bands on a... And it's got like a hump back, if that makes sense, rather than... Right. Okay, I'm going to need a photo, Peter. Sure. So that we're on the same page. Are you able to send that through now? Yeah, it's just really sad to go out there and see them all floating on the the frog pond. All right. When I get a photo, then I will comment. Beautiful. Thank you. I'll I'll get a photo straight away. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks, Peter. All right. Now, as promised, we're heading to the Guildford Garden Centre. We're having a chat with Joanne Harris. Good morning. 
Hi, how are you, Ray? I'm good. How are you? Good, really well. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? It oh. is stunning. We're just loving this weather till about Tuesday, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I read that. We'll deal with Tuesday when it comes. Sorry. We'll deal with Tuesday when it comes. Yeah, exactly. I tend to fret in advance, and then sometimes it doesn't happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I read recently that you're handing over the reins of your business. Well, I will eventually. Not mm. yet. One daughter has um, gone off on maternity leave and produces gorgeous little grandson for us oh. um, so she won't be back for a while and my other daughter has joined us um, probably in the last year and a half okay. when her youngest child had gone to school and now my granddaughter works for us after school hours how wonderful is that um, it's just fantastic so yes i am handing over the reins and i'm slowly you know, working less days, Um, but I'm still there for them. They've still got a bit to learn, and I'm not ready to leave yet. I love this industry, and I love what I'm doing. Yeah, Oh, that's good to hear. So I'm not ready yet to leave. Um, One day I'll garden more full-time, but in the meantime I'm going to work in the garden centre instead. Oh, no, good, good. Are you at the Perth Garden Festival this year or not? No, we're not. Not going to be there. I'm finding it really hard in the last few years I think like many industries, it's really hard to find enough staff. Yes. Um, if we go yes. down to the garden festival, we want to do it as well as what we do it at the garden centre. Yeah. And if I don't have trained staff and enough, mm-hmm. and what I end up doing when I go is I overwork. We all overwork. Yeah, knock yourself out. And then out. we all need a week or two off to after. To get over it, yeah. I, I yeah, totally understand. It takes up a lot of time. But we will go and we often support other people. Yeah. Um, one year I worked at the Bush Tucker uh, with Mark Tuchek on his stall. And, you know, if any one of the, the nurseries want to ask us, we'll even send a staff member or two down to help out. So we're very interested and we re- oh, excuse me, we really want the show to be a success, but we just can't do it without overdoing everything at, at the shop. Very understandable, Joanne. And what's happening lately? I know you've got some latest news for us. Yeah, well, we um, it was quite exciting, actually. It was a bit scary to start with this whole polyphagus, the, the borer that's going around. Yeah. Mm. Um, and we're, we're all hearing about it, and we need to. Everybody mm. in the community needs to know about this. Yes. Um, but what I had read uh, was that we needed to have a permit for any material, living material, leaving the quarantine area. And we at Guildford are just inside that quarantine area. In fact, it's growing um, quite considerably since we first recognised it. And most of Perth are now in a quarantine area. Mm. So if you want to take it outside, if you want to buy a tree from me and take it outside of that area, then you have to know that it's not infected and it's not um, you're not carrying the shot hole borer into another area. So the Ag Department um, came out on Thursday and looked at all of our trees. They've tagged it with um, every tree with a, a polyphagus uh, uh, tag, yeah. explaining and showing where to go to get inf- information, etc. And we now have a blanket permit. So, and I think you'll find that all garden centres are going to go through that similar process. 
And they're also providing our industry with some really good online training so that more and more of our staff will be able to do this training and have a much better idea of it. So we can help the community to identify and maintain, keep it at the lowest level we possibly can. So, Joanne, are we talking about trees with a trunk diameter of more than two centimetres? That's correct. So for our listeners, if they're going out and they're buying a tree, Mm -hmm. they... They should be aware of what the polyphagous shot hole borer is and they should be inspecting for themselves to make sure that they're not buying something that has got tiny little borer holes in it. And I do wonder if they buy from a retail outlet, would would these trees be tagged or has that slipped under the radar? This is, no, I think you'll find that this is not something that anyone... Um, at the Ag Department um, and certainly within our industry want that to be to happen because that's when we're going to find it spreads. So everybody is taking it pretty seriously. Yeah. However, I think the community also have a responsibility to look. I mean, you know, it's something that you do not want to put into your property. No. Um, and, you know, there are so many things. There's a fab... Um, they have a really good uh, website... It's um, agric.wa.gov.au and then it's forward slash borer. Mm. And that will take you into their website where it's got all of the the listed um, host trees. And, of course, some of them are hosts that are reproductive, meaning the shot hole can continue to reproduce within the um, trunk of the tree. And others... Others are non-productive, sorry, non-reproductive trees. So they host it, but the life cycle cannot be completed. So you may lose your tree, but fortunately, it doesn't mean that you then are spreading um, the polyphagus. So it's, um, it's quite scary. If you look at the list, I think there's about 110 plants on it. Yeah, it's extensive. Mm. It's really extensive, but at least we have this resource. Yes. You know, um, I'm fairly sure um, there was some ad that came out into the industry about two years ago or maybe a year and a half ago, um, and we saw it as borer and stopped it but didn't know exactly what it was. It was Mm. slightly different looking and so minute. Mm. Yes. Well... So as, it was exciting. As, it was really good to see that our industry can work so closely with the Ag Department, have something turned around really quickly and make sure that it's now safe for us to sell out into the out into the um, community. So, mm, good. Yeah. yeah. But like you say, the, the public do need to be aware. They need to know what to look for. And I guess mm. this goes for things like the citrus gall wasp Which as well. Mm. So... You know, if you're buying from a nursery, do your own due, due diligence, diligence yeah. and inspect yeah. the stems. Look for signs of pestle disease attack and yeah. a- acknowledge what the problem is and find out what it is before you take it away with you. Mm. And let the staff know. 
Mm, yeah. Sometimes, you know, in a garden centre, you can be so busy, especially this time of the year where you've got skeleton staff, people are going off to have holidays with their families. You may have missed it in your weekly maintenance check. Mm. And so let the staff know that this is what you've found and they can then act on it also. Yeah. 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 Great, great advice. And with the borer, there's no known predator, is there, for this beast? No, there's not at this point. And that's Mm. why, as a community, we need to be really vigilant about it. Yeah. 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 Even I think it's really important for all sectors in the industry to understand it too. I know that we, um, through a very close friend of mine, Kathy Cox, Mm. was doing a design and there was, Poly, uh, there was shot hole in two um, Asa Nagundo, the box elders, mm. and she called in a tree lopper who then promptly took them completely down, stumped them, etc. But then asked if they would like to have it left as mulch. No. Mm. So I think those sorts of things, and this is why it's very important that we get a lot of education out yeah. there. Yeah. Um, of course, when he was explained, he went, oh, course Mm. Um, you know so it wasn't something done on purpose no it's just uh, as you say it needs to be watched yeah and on a on a Mm. on a brighter note just quickly what's new what's new in the garden is there anything there to yeah well we um fortunately have some standard grevilleas come in this week which are really fantastic they've been on the list for we've we've had them on order for about Fifteen months. Yeah, because I heard I was told that um, the grafting on on the grevilleas for standards had stopped, or there was something there that I'd heard that they weren't happening anymore. It, yeah, and maybe I don't know. Maybe it was something to do with the tissue culture, or they mm. just couldn't get the cuttings or whatever mm. it is. But now, because um, they're delightful, they're right? Good. The standard grevillea. It's a show, a showstopper. Mm. Oh, absolutely! Look, they're not for everybody. They are more expensive. So they're, they're the thing that you have as your showstopper. As Absolutely. Your, you know, they're, they're beautiful. And they're all um, the ones that we have, and I think these are the only ones that are available at the moment. We've got Lana Marie, Wendy Sunshine, and Aussie Crawl. Now, probably out of those three, the Aussie Crawl would be the ones that people mostly know of. Yeah. You know, the deep green, um, really deeply serrated green and burgundy leaves with bright red flowers. Um, Wendy Sunshine, if you have a look at it, it's it's also, they're all those lovely cascading. So they're, they're predominantly, they grow the standards as the weeping, which are the mm. ground cover type of um, grevilleas. And the Wendy Sunshine is this gorgeous grey-green foliage. It's quite soft, in fact, mm. and it's got bright, almost iridescent pink and red flowers or pink. Stop and red. it. Yeah, I know. We're both drooling here. So what would you put in the bottom of the pot to cover, cover the ground and spill over, Joanne? Oh, yes. Well, look, I, because... Just quickly because I, I realise we've run out of time. All right. Ground covers have a very um, shallow root system, so you must put something on. My favourite, my porum. I love okay. my yep. porum with it. That will yeah. do it. All right. Thank you, Joanne. It's been lovely (laughs) speaking with you. Lovely to chat with you. Have a great great day gardening later on. You you too. Thank you, Joanne. Bye for now. And, yes, we do have to go to a break. When we return, we're chatting with you, Joan. We see you there. 
Thank you for your company this morning, 25 past nine, and at 10am we'll be going to the classic 70s with Jim Crine and he shall return. Meanwhile, we're going to Wanneroo. Joan, good morning. Hi, Joan. Good morning. Hello, how are you? Yeah, very good. How can we help you? Hello? Can you hear us? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yeah, I just want to ask you, uh, we have a mango tree at home. Last year we got big fruits, but this year they seem to be small. Any reason for that? Have you got more fruits on the tree, Joan? Yes, we have a lot of fruits. Okay, sometimes uh, if, you, if you've got a bigger crop, the fruit will be smaller. So what is traditionally done with a lot of fruit trees is the fruit can be thinned. That way the, the nutrients and the moisture that goes into the plant then goes to less number of fruits, giving you bigger fruits. So that's one option. Uh, I, I don't know that I would thin them at this stage, but if they were big enough, you could actually pick them green and do a green mango pickle with them. Yeah. Yes, I can do that. I'm just wondering why it's not becoming big. Do we need to put anything when it's flowering at the time, anything for the... Well, certainly uh, keep your, your fertiliser up. If you use a controlled release fertiliser, you only have to do that two or three times a year. Uh, keep the water up to it and keep it well mulched so that you've got a healthy tree. After it's yeah, finished yeah. fruiting... Probably it would be a good idea to give it a trim back and that way you will get uh, more growth and good crops next year as well. Okay, well, that's good. It's really grown very well now, the plant, the tree. I grew that from a seed. Oh, well so, done. That's so rewarding. Yes, MPK. And we put NPK for that. That's great. MPK is good. Um, Anything really that's designed for flowering and fruiting plants. Okay. All right. Thanks for your call. Bye. Thanks, Joan. And we're heading to Hamilton Hill. Gail, good morning. Oh, good morning, ladies. Um, I have a dwarf acorn banksia, and at the moment it is actually covered in flowers, which is beautiful. But someone told me that once the flowers are finished, I should cut them off, and I just want to know if that's correct. Well, I don't know about that, Gail, because there are so many benefits to leaving, leaving things go naturally. Like it will probably develop little fruits on there, and other insects can come in and live in there. Something might come well, and feed on it. In the past, I've always left them on, um, and I thought, oh, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. Oh, I think in a native garden, it depends what sort of gardener you are. But, but for a habitat gardener, we would leave them. We would leave them exactly where they are because you get so much more diversity when you've got a range of different different plants and different stages of growth in the garden. So a spent flower, uh, a banksia seed pod or nut, uh, even dead trees or plants as they're dying down and as they dry out becomes habitat for a lot of different insects. 
Yes, yes, I understand. Mm. Um, the other thing I want to ask, though, is um, part of it is actually growing over a bit too far, and I want to know, is it possible to prune a section off? If, if it's growing in the wrong space, yes, you would prune to, to manage it to the space. And then um, what I would do is something we do through our gardens and that is chop and drop so you just cut it up into little bits and just sprinkle it around so it then forms mulch around the plant yes i do i do that right through my garden mm. so yes i um i've already do that so that's great but i won't i won't kill the the tree by pruning it well if it is growing where it shouldn't be or over a pathway for example you you have to and no i don't think you'll kill it just good yeah, try and just do a little bit. Don't make a, a big dent in the plant and make sure that your secateurs are clean. So okay. and use what, a bit of bleach. What would be the best time to do that? Probably after flowering. Okay, great. Thank you so much. That's You're lovely. welcome. Good All on right. you, Glail. Bye-bye. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. Bye. And don't forget, guys, we do podcast the gardening show each week and you can access that by going to our website, which is curtainfm.com.au. On the homepage, you'll see a bar that says programs. You just click on that. It's a drop-down bar and choose Let's Talk Gardening. Mm -hmm. And when you go into that page, there's a little toggle on the right-hand side and you can go up and down and you can... Uh, listen to your heart's content. Um, there are a lot there, aren't there? There, we have built a nice little library of information and that's why we did it because otherwise that information is gone forever. Mm. So it's nice to be able to have that for reference and go back over things. And I think another way uh, is if people have got a podcast app on their phone, so you can go into your Google Play Store or not sure what it is on an mm. iPhone, but you can download a podcast player app Mm. And then you just type in Let's Talk Gardening yeah, Curtain, yeah. C-U-R-T-I-N, and find it that way as well. As well. It's a new, whole new field of uh, understanding, isn't there? You know, coming mm. into play is this thing called artificial intelligence. intelligence. Yes. And that's moving over in the gardening world as oh, well. So I think we've we've got new technologies to upskill on. <laughs> Soon the, the the garden show will be done by... Run by bots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're back to Wanneroo. Nicole, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Okay. Um, just hoping you might be able to give me some um, guidance or advice. I've noticed I've got spider mites and I've got an organic veggie garden, so I try not to use any type of chemicals or anything in the way of sprays as best as possible. Um, is there any way to deal with these without spraying? Yes, there is, Nicole. It's really exciting. You can okay. go to uh, an Integrate Pest Management supplier and buy Bugs for Bugs. And there bugs are okay. persimilis mites that attack red spider mites. And I did this in the past. You... You order these critters online and they get sent in the mail and you get a vial and you tip the vial out onto a piece of paper and it looks like all you've got for your whatever dollars is a heap of vermiculite. And if you're lucky, you'll see something walking across the white paper and then you you sprinkle all this like fairy dust over your plant 
and before you know it, you'll see these red spider mites herded to the tip of the leaf because oh, they're, okay. these mites are taking taking over or doing what they do. So that that is certainly one option. Uh, I'm not sure you'd have to check the label, but something like Eco Oil by Organic Crop Protectants would be another option. And the thing is, red spider mites like a dry environment, which yeah. is why they're around now. Mm. So right. simply changing the environment, creating a more moist environment, getting your hose, spraying it a few times a day over and under the leaves will help. And then I guess you could use a, a soapy spray. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just yeah, I've just not noticed them in the five years I've had an organic garden. I've never noticed them, but they've just decimated tomatoes and cucumbers, oh. and it's just like ah. Oh. And then I realised when I started flipping through all the leaves and starting to remove things that spider mite. So I thought, mm, okay, how do I deal with this one? So <laughs> I tell you what, the other thing you could do is I just had a flashback to tomatoes that I was growing a, a year or well, a bit more than a year ago now. And I remember seeing pests on the leaves. So when I inspected closer, I then saw some tiny black bugs crawling around. And I remember putting them under the microscope. And I'm pretty sure that they were a predator or a parasitoid of the bugs that were affecting the crop. So... The other thing is you could just wait and monitor. You could remove the infected leaves. But when you've got an infestation, you may get predators and parasitoids come in. And so if you wait and watch, you may be able to maintain that population to build up your predator population. Also, I don't know if you're doing it already, but planting plants around that harbour the beneficial insects? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Everywhere in my garden, there's, it's like I don't try and crop plant all in the same place. I sort of spread my veggies out and there's always beneficial plants and herbs sort of scattered around everything. So um, that way, hopefully, I resist disease spread between the same sort of yep. cropping other than yep. corn. Even with the corn, I kind of try and minimalise the amount that I plant together in different areas. So um, that way it's kind of uh, not like a, mm. a farm, but yes. um, and it works for me so um, quite well. I was following um, Craig Castry from Edible Gardens and, um, yeah, that's just worked wonderfully for me um, and keeping it, you know, organic as possible. Mm. I don't have to spray things and mm. put chemicals on everything. So Yeah, yeah. well, and, you know, chemical resistance can build up when people use sprays all the time so it's not always the be all end all so yeah Yeah. like the the simplest thing is to go out there three times a day and squirt your plants yeah take a magnifying glass with you and look for signs of anything else you might be able to to overcome it by just waiting Oh, okay. And with leaf miner, is that um, something as well? Would that be something removing leaves? I've just noticed that on my lemon tree. Uh, it's definitely not gall. It's definitely leaf yeah. miner. Yeah. Would yeah. I be best just taking those leaves off? That's exactly what I do. Okay. I, I just get yeah. out there with the secateurs because 
I've noticed recently the new growth has been affected by the citrus leaf miner, which, mm. of course, is a little moth that comes in. It yep. lays its egg between the layers of the leaf and it develops in the leaf. Sometimes if you look closely, you'll see the caterpillar still in there. So I give it a little squash. Um, but, yeah, just removing them and making the plant look tidy again. It's, it doesn't seem to affect the overall health of the tree. It just looks unsightly. Oh, okay. And are those best just to go to be solarised in a bag in the sun before they go into a greens bin or...? To be honest, I just leave them where they are. Do you? Yeah, okay. I do because I think okay. once... I don't know that they they develop very well once the leaves start to die. So do you use eco oh, okay. oil or...? I rarely spraying. get out my sprays. Mm. I'm mm. I'm turning into a bit of a lazy gardener and mm. I, I love watching. Like I use my camera because if I've got a pest and these little black insects that I saw were another critter added to the biodiversity in my garden and I want to know who they are, what their relationship is, what they do. Mm. Yeah, and that's what I prefer to do as well, mm. I think. Yep, they're all there for a reason, I suppose. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we introduce exotic species, so with it comes exotic pests. We don't have True. people coming up... Or ring us every week with, oh, my eremophila's got this terrible problem. You know, sometimes something will make its life cycle in the stem. It'll lay its eggs. But we've got so many native moths. I mean, recently I found a moth in my garden of very few observations in Western Australia. And it was something like a lichen moth that was white with black dots. Mm. Just, you know, there's so much out there. And... I think as time goes on, we're losing a lot of our habitat. But I think as gardeners, we can start to claw that back by doing our little bit and, yeah, by having a positive impact. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I agree. Thank, thank you so much. I'll get out there with a the host. Good luck, Nicole. Thank you. <laughs> thank okay. you. Bye now. Bye. Okay. Bye. And Margaret of Swanview called in and she wants to know if we know where she could find... Palmer violets. Yeah. Oh, I have to double check what a palmer violet is. Yeah. All okay. right. Okay. And uh, all right. Now we'll go to Yokine. Good morning, Roma. How are you? Good morning. Uh, good, thank you. How are you all? Oh, very good. Thanks, thank Roma. You. Um, I just wanted to ask when would be the right time to transplant a frangipani? Could you do it now? If you were very careful at least it's growing now um but then again when it's dormant probably would be a good time especially uh how big is it roma uh it's six years old it's fairly big mm. fairly big so you think it would die if it was transplanted now lifted up and transplanted i think it would get set back it it depends how much of the root system you would be damaging um oh. look can i get back to you on this i i just will double check i would hate to give you the wrong information i think in winter time might be good because it's dormant but i think if you did it now without stressing it too much it could mm -hmm. recover quickly too so if you have a choice do you have a choice or it has to go well, it actually has gone, to be honest with you. Oh, <laughs> well, right. Okay. That's um, done. All right, yeah, I'll look into yeah. it and we'll come back. We'll, we'll get John to help. When is the best time? 
Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks, Roma. It's the red one. It's the red one. Ah, uh, yes, I know. Yes, they're always a little bit more tricky. Mm, okay. They are. Yes. Thank okay. you so much for that. Take care. Thank you. All right, and we shall return. Curtain Radio. And you're with Rain Fay. This is Let's Talk Gardening. About 18 minutes of Let's Talk Gardening remains. Then we will cross to Jim Crinan for the classic 70s. And then at 12 noon, Brendan T. And born in boots. We hope you're having a wonderful day out there. I think I'm going to give something away. What Good idea. Okay. Yes. What What have you got to give away? I, I, think, I think the $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees. How does that sound? Oh, sounds we'll do one at John's. lovely. Quizzes. All right. Bigger trees say life is better with frangipanis. We <laughs> agree. Speaking of your fringe, they also cover ornamental and fruit tree. They really are your specialists up there in Pickering Brook. Pickering Brook. And they have oh huge amounts of magnificent stock arriving each week. Lots of colour for you to see. And from what I saw on their Facebook page this week was no exception. And there's so much that they have delivered in each week. I couldn't I couldn't list it. Uh, if you can get onto their Facebook page and have a browse of the videos and lists of uh, new plants coming in is just sensational. Now, they have you covered, whether you want a big plant or a little plant, and they do deliver across the metro area. And as I said, browse their colourful Facebook page and they open Thursdays to Sundays each week. If you'd like more details about Bigger Trees, go to biggertrees.com.au. And this is thanks to our good friend Kerry Sprig from Bigger Trees. Okay, here's John's question. You must be a Curtin FM member and not to won a prize in the last 28 days. The question is, according to the singer Scott McKenzie, what should you wear in your hair if you're going to San Francisco? <laughs> this is an easy one. According to the singer Scott McKenzie, what should you wear in your hair if you're going to San Francisco? Give Bev a call now on 94841927. Meanwhile, we're going to talk about a frangie in Kungang. Can we just say the best time to plant or transplant... Frangipani. Yep, I'll repeat that. The best time to transplant a six-year-old frangipani is late winter when it's dormant. So, so Roma, we hope you heard that. Late yep, winter. Yeah, but give it seaweed. Uh, keep it in a protected environment. You know, under shade cloth would be lovely, just so it doesn't stress and it's got time to recover on those thirty-eight degrees that yeah, are coming. Nurse it along. Yeah, I, I absolutely would. All right, um, Annette. Sorry about that. Are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, go ahead, Annette. <laughs> yeah, hi, girls. Hi. Um, I was just ringing because um, I have this uh, coloured frangipani which has shot up to about eight feet on the one stalk, one single stalk, and it's like it's so high I can't even see the flowers. Yeah. Mm. You know. And I'm just wondering, is there something I can do to make it sort of branch out a bit further down? Yeah, cut it. <laughs> if you want something to grow, you've got to cut it back. Oh, oh really? Mm. I was just thinking, if I, if I cut it in half, would I be able to have two frangipanis? Yes, mm. hopefully. Doable. Yeah. Really? Yes. Oh, so I should wait till winter and then chop it in half? No, I think you should do it now because, oh. because it can dry out and it can grow now. Like it, it will... Grow and recover now is what I'm thinking. Um, I don't know that I would cut it in half as such. I think I would take probably a quarter off the top. So that would yeah. reduce it to about six foot. Yes. And two foot cutting. And then All what right. you do, wrap the 
the base in damp sphagnum moss with glad wrap yep. around it and when the roots can be seen, then you plant it. Wow. All right. I'll do that. Mm. Fantastic. And the bit that's cut will be all right. Will it just be a stalk then? Yes. And hopefully yeah. it'll push out some new shoots before it goes dormant in winter. All right. That's great. <laughs> Thank you very Good much. Good luck, Annette. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers. Right. Bye now. Bye. I found a broken uh, stem or, st- or arm on my fringy this week. Ooh. Highly suspicious. Oh, well, my partner in crime had been running around with a hedge trimmer. Oh, Don. I know. And he said it wasn't <laughs> What were you him. thinking? I'd, I'd say, well, it was accidental. No, I'd, he didn't chop it off. I think no. he's knocked it. And it's just at that height. It's a young frangie. Oh. Yes, my uh, firestorm, which is... One so now the, you've got two frangipanis. I've got a, I've got a piece, yes. And uh, I'm So how will to, you grow it? Yes, I'll, I'll put it in a pot to begin with. Mm. Yeah, we let it dry off. first and yeah, then put I'm, it in a pot. It's drying at the minute. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I will repot him up and uh, away we go. Firestorm, it's a very oh, beautiful frangipani. Mm. Deep, deep orange. From the distance it looks like red. It's I can't explain the colour. It's just sensational. It's... Almost metallic to look at. All right. We have a winner. Of course we do. Barbara of Calamunda. This is for our $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees. That will find its way to you this week. The question was, according to the singer Scott McKenzie, what should you wear in your hair if you're going to San Francisco? The answer is flowers. Of course, you should wear flowers in your hair. And the song, of course, was San Francisco, written by John Phillips. And g'day to Barbara. Barbara used to be our oh, PA. Oh, Barbara here. Lim. Yeah. Oh, my God. You made it, girl. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't twig. Good on you. So that's gone to a good home. It's gone to a very good home. Okay. We want to hear what you get, Barb. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. You better report back. No, thank you very, very much. Okay. I can see some free lines in about 12 minutes. The program remaining 94841927. And we're just researching Palmer violets for you, Margaret, because we're not sure what that what they are. John came up with the sweet treat and I found out it was a band. <laughs> <laughs> and and then it went on to say how why did or something about Actually, explaining the breakup and I think well you can divide them but Actually, John's the just coming band. through now so with some information so mm. here we go. Okay. Oh, this looks uh, extensive oh. but um, let me see. Okay. We'll the highlighted to... area, right? Yeah, I know that. Thank you, Faye. Okay, I'll read what the highlighted area says. Palmer violets originated in the Levant. That is in Syria, Turkey and Lebanon. Okay. So that's that's what it's been Is there highlight. an image? Yeah. Are they the old-fashioned violet? Oh, they look like doubles. Mm, they do. Double-headed. Uh, I, they I don't are know large old-fashioned can... violets. Yeah, that's what information we've got. All right. Well, we need to actually. What about the Violet Society? African Violet Society? Yeah. No, no, they couldn't help. No. Different. Yeah. Yep. Not even. Not even close. No. Um, okay. Uh, I don't know at this stage. However, we will see if we can get some feedback from somewhere or follow up during the week. Okay. All right. We shall return. Curtain Radio. And we are back. You're tuned to Let's Talk Gardening. We're going out to Lake Coogee and we're talking about tomatoes. Carol, good morning. Oh, good morning, girls. Um, good morning. Question tomatoes. 
three neighbours, we've all got our gardens out the front. The first one has got like two beds of tomatoes. The one next door has got one bed and I've got one plant. I made sure no water was going on the leaves because I undercut it. Everybody has got this dye thing where the leaves are dying up the tree, round the corner. What causes this? Mm. There are a lot of viruses that affect tomatoes. Are they growing in the same, like, have you grown tomatoes in the same space or have you rotated crops? No, I rotate and redig, of course. Um, but it's not just this year. It's like every year I get this. And mm. mind you, I'm getting tomatoes, but the bushes are all dying. Uh, three different garden beds. Now, some years ago, I was called to a friend's place because their beans were suffering. And when we pulled the plant out of the ground, there were... I think it was root aphids on the roots. So it might be worth sacrificing one plant, digging it up and having a look at the roots. I mean, ultimately, a lot of diseases come from root problems. Like if your leaves are suffering, you look at how it's growing, what soil it's in. Um, I am imagining that you all got your plants from different sources? Well, I should imagine so, but mm. the first house has got two different beds with like a double driveway in between. Yeah. That was one, yes. So the first um, thing the we other... rule out is environmental conditions. So the fierce winds that we've had, the exposure, the 41-degree days, uh, we... We check on watering, so soil drainage is key. It's not too wet. Is it drying out? Have the leaves been burnt by environmental conditions, which, you know, with the weather that we've had would be quite acceptable. If they're growing in full sun and they've been exposed to that wind, the leaves are not going to look lush and healthy no. and amazing. But you would still well, get... These are good. all like... These are really dried and, and crunchable. You could squeeze them up in your hand. Yeah, yep, yep. So I guess the next thing is like a leaf analysis, putting a leaf under a magnifying glass or microscope and looking for signs of any fungal issues or tiny, tiny pests like microscopic. Mm -hmm. And then uh, if you can't see anything on the leaves then we check the roots. Okay, Jake. Well, it, I'll leave it yeah. because I'm still getting lots of tomatoes and the tomatoes are beautiful, but it's mm. just... It could be doing better. It, and it yeah. is a mystery. Like, it, it needs... I, I can't tell you what the answer is, but I can tell you how we would go through the process of um, working out what it is and it's next level. Yes, yes. I was I was going to ask you about a lemon tree, but I forgot the name. It was the old-fashioned lemon tree? What's the name of that one? Eureka. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, is this is twelve years old. It got replanted out of a pot nine years ago. I've got a Maya lemon that has seven million lemons. <laughs> this one I cut it back to bones last year. It grew beautifully. Still no flowers. No flowers at all, and hasn't had them to lemons for years. All right. Well, it might be in shock. 
And if you don't cut it back now and you give it fertiliser or give it potash now. I've done that. Done that. Yeah. Uh, is it getting other fertiliser, maybe too heavy in nitrogen so no, it's leaf growth? No, because I, I put my chicken manure in a barrel with water, so it's quite down in the water like a tea bag sort of, sort, you know, a fertiliser. Right. Well, then I would say give it um, maybe an MPK, something, give it a citrus fertiliser again. Again, okay. Again, okay. yep. Well, because it's going to get cut off in July and pulled out in November if it doesn't do any good. <laughs> right. Well, yep. It's not over yet. It's got another chance. Give it some fertiliser. Complete fertiliser. Okay. <laughs> Bye, Carol. Good luck. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And Helen phoned in from Falcon and she wants to know if wormwood plants are safe for her chickens to plant in the chicken run and in her garden. Absolutely, they are the best. But get a bit of chicken wire and put around the plant so that the plant can actually grow through it, but then the chickens won't destroy the roots and they won't peck it till there's nothing left. Um, But wormwood is fantastic. Break off bits and throw them in the bottom of the chicken pan. It'll keep keep away the stick fast fleas. Wormwood is amazing for chickens yeah. and it's got a beautiful green growth with tiny little flowers that insects like too. Yeah. So no. it's, yeah, a good one to have. A very good one. Okay, well, we've only got a couple of minutes to go, so I think we might wrap up. Um, I can see that uh, Bev has <coughs> blocked the lines. We're getting ready for Jim Crinan, of course. So I have a ditty here that you sent me during the week. Shall I read it for everybody for very, it, very Ray. quickly? Faye sends me lovely little things during the week and it's 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 very sweet and she's obviously thinking of me and okay this one is for the garden of your daily living plant three rows of peas peace of mind peas of heart peace of soul plant four rows of squash squash gossip squash indifference squash grumbling oh i don't know about that one i have to grumble (laughs) squash selfishness plant four rows of lettuce let us be faithful let us be kind let us be patient let us really love one another no garden is complete without turnips turnip for meetings turnip for service turn up to help one another to conclude our to conclude our garden we must have time time for each other time for family and time for friends so so true so water freely and with patience and cultivate with love so Faye sent me that during the week which i thought was very very sweet thank you for that i do like it and i do like turning up we must turn up mustn't well it's hard to leave the garden sometimes (laughs) yes we have to get out of our comfort zones All right. It's been a really nice morning. We thank you for your company. Bev Daring, John Glidden, of course, look after us very well. And my gardenism for this morning, so we're full of it today, aren't we, is remember that children, marriages and gardens reflect the kind of care that they receive. Most important. Okay. Stay tuned for Jim Crichton. He is up next with the classic 70s. I'm having a time of it this morning. I think my equilibrium was thrown out at 8 a.m. this morning and I haven't recovered. That's my excuse. All right. Enjoy this long weekend. Happy gardening, everyone. Here's Jim Crichton right now. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.